Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. I want to talk today, speaking of truth, I want to talk today about money. Everybody say money. I remember when I was a kid and we would go take pictures at JCPenney's. So y'all know what JCPenney's is? <laughs> Come on, I know my audience. We would go and we would do JCPenney or Olin Mills, right? And so I remember they would say, instead of saying cheese, sometimes they say, say money. Everybody smiles when they say money, except for when you're in church. When people say money in church, everybody's like, ah, they get angry. And so why? Because churches just normally get a bad rap when we talk about money. And so one of the complaints for people that are unchurched is they say, I don't go to church because they talk about money too much. So I have, if that's your thought, then I have two questions for you. Number one is how often do you go? <laughs> because I've never met a pastor because I've been faithful to church. Come on, when I first got saved, it was three times a week. Now it's, you know, once a week and small group and the prayer. So still three times a week, just looks a little different. And the second question I would have is how often do you read the Bible? And so churches that teach the Bible are teaching on money. Because in the Gospels, did you know that one in 10 verses in the Gospels deal with money? That's 288 scriptures that deal with the subject of money. Jesus talked more about money than he did about anything else. He used it as a reference point. And why? Because money is a revealer of our heart. Right? If you want to know what your heart is, look at your bank account. Look at your, look at your bank app. Go through and look. That'll show you what your heart is. Oh, not me, my heart. You don't even know your heart. Scripture tells us that we can't even know our heart. So what do we do? We look at things to gauge our heart. So if you want to know where your heart is, go look at your bank statement. That'll tell you. Um, the Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. That's a lot of verses. So if we're not talking about money, we're not preaching the Bible. And the other, the, argument, the other argument is this, is are y'all one of those prosperity churches or the prosperity gospel, right? Or, or, you know, you see all these, it's funny, there's all these Google bot, not Google bots, but robots on the internet that actually, did you know that there's robots on the internet that are specifically designed, I heard about this this week, that are specifically designed against Christianity and they create false documents and false quotes and false articles based on my people, attribute them to people that aren't even true, just simply to discredit Christianity. And it's not just Christianity. It's all kinds of stuff. You guys get the ads, right? So there's the same kind of bots that create things to try to discredit Christianity. So that's why you need the Bible, right? And so what we've done is we've kind of, what I, I saw an article this week that said, mega church pastor says, I was like, why are megachurch pastors a villain? Why is it a problem that a lot of people are in church? Why? How is that a problem? That is not a problem. How many of you know that megachurch pastors are just people, just like you're a person? And so they are not villains. And many people get labeled with this thing called the prosperity gospel. So people will ask us that because we have an offering declaration. They'll say, are you guys a prosperity church? Well, we're not a poverty church. We don't preach a poverty gospel. And if by prosperity you mean your needs being taken care of and you having enough to be generous with others, 
then yes, we do, if that's what you mean. What we believe in is a provision gospel, that everything that we need is provided in Christ. Everything, every blessing that we need is in Christ. God's provided everything that we need according to his riches and glory. Everything we need. And you need to be generous. So how are you going to be generous if all you have is enough to get by paycheck to paycheck? So get this. There's nothing spiritual about being poor and there's nothing sinful about being rich. And this is the reality. Our view of money is mostly influenced by the environment that we're raised in. So if you were raised without money or you didn't have a lot of money or you would consider yourself poor, which I would encourage you to do a world rich list and see where you fall on that scale because you're probably in the top 5%. If you have a closet to keep your clothes in, you're in the top 5% of the world's rich list. And so when we talk about poor people, they have this lens or maybe you were raised poor. I would have considered myself raised kind of poor. At least we thought we were. And so they have, there's, there's a, a, a spirit. Now by spirit, I don't necessarily mean a demonic spirit. I just mean that there's an attitude. There's an attitude that comes from being raised that way. We live from paycheck to paycheck. We'll take anything we can get. Take, 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 take. There's no generosity. You know, as long as I'm taken care of, as long as I can hunker down. And what happens is we're robbed in that poverty mindset. We're robbed in that, in that mindset to where we can't partner with God's heart of being generous. Did you know that 70% of the people that win the lottery, first of all, most people that play the lottery are poor people. And did you know that 70% of those poor people that win the lottery are broke in five years? Why? Because money is not the issue. Money's not the issue. Money has little to do with poverty. Poor people treat their money differently than rich people. Poor people work for money. Rich people make money work for them. And so what happens is even if we're provided for sometimes, and I've kind of had to crawl out of this, and I know a lot of people that have had to crawl out of this poverty mindset, if we're not careful, that poverty mindset will go in even when we have enough. And then we, we sit around and we're stingy and we're careful and we're, we're super reluctant. You should be careful with money. But, we, but we're, we, we get in this mindset that says, you know what? I can't be a blessing to anyone else because my needs are, and it doesn't have anything to do with money. I know people that make way more money than I do that live like that. Poverty is a spirit. Um, and there's a, there's a spirit that comes along with that. And, and, and I want to I provoke you a little bit on this. If you think rich people, people with money, people with wealth, if you think that there is something wrong with them or that they owe everyone else something, you bought into the spirit of poverty. Did you know that if there weren't people with lots of money, there wouldn't be nobody to employ you? We need rich people on the earth. Who else is going to take care of the poor people? And so we kind of villainize people with money. Listen, I want lots of money. Not so I can have a bigger house. Not so I can have more stuff, but so I can be more of a blessing. But until I have lots of money, and I, I used to deal with this thing called blessing guilt. I'll just call it that. Anybody ever experienced that? You, you get blessed with something and you feel guilty. You're like, I don't, I don't deserve this. You don't. You don't deserve it. 
but obviously God thinks you're worthy of it. And so you're blessed with it and you go, you're kind of bashful about it. What is that? Blessing guilt, for lack of a better word. And so what happens is we kind of hide when God blesses us instead of using what God blessed us with to be a blessing. And so I had this thing where I was like, man, I, 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 I'm so, so bashful that God's blessing us financially. I'm like, but the, but the reality is that because I give, I give above a percentage most of the time, but because I, I give a percentage level that if I have more, I'm giving more. So Leslie and I, just be real personal with you. When we moved out to plant our church, in 2012, we, we had, someone else was signing our paycheck. My whole life, someone else was signing my paycheck. Now we've got to build a church. We've got to build a financial ecosystem so we can have the finances we need to survive. And I'm hustling. I'm working all kinds of jobs. And I worked all these jobs so I could fulfill my purpose. And so I'm working. I'm teaching graphic design. I'm doing graphic design, all this stuff. And we, we have been tithers from the beginning. And we've, we've gone through months where we weren't even clearing a grand a month. And God still provided. God still provided. He was still good enough to take care of us. And so we're like, we're moving out to plant a church. I'm needing co-signers for the house. I mean, it's, it's scary. I've got two kids, one on the way. And I'm like, God, how are we going to make it? The only, the only guaranteed we in, income that we had was about $1,200 a month. That was the only guaranteed income for a family of soon to be five. So in the middle of that, in the first year of the church, I told Leslie, I heard Bill Johnson preach a message and he said that I've never tithed less than 20%. So for all those that want to call him a prosperity gospel preacher, I'm like, well, the guy gives like 20% of his income. I don't know why you would be so critical of that. And so he said that 20% and I was like, oh, I got convicted like hardcore. So I told Leslie, I said, I heard Bill Johnson say he's going to, he, he tithes 20%. And so I want to start, us start tithing 15%. We've been 10% tithers forever. And so we started tithing 15%. And can I tell you the next year was the best financial year we ever had. No one else was signing our paycheck. Why? Because God honors obedience. God honors obedience, positions us for blessing. So what we need is to get out of this poverty mindset is education of stewarding money and revelation to change our heart and mindset. Let me say that again. What we need with stewarding money is education of stewarding money and revelation to change our heart and mindset. I know today's gonna be real teachy. You okay? I might not get real loud. I probably will, but, uh, but I might not. The content doesn't provide for that, but we know. We know moments. So these are, this is God's desire for your finances. Number one is this, is that our trust is in him. So Matthew, Jesus gives us this layout in Matthew chapter 19 through 25 on the Sermon of the Mount. We've, talk, we've referenced that a lot this year. And he's talking about money. He's like, don't worry about stuff. Don't worry, the father takes care of the birds of the air. And he says this, he says, so what I want you to do is I want you to seek first the kingdom. And if you'll seek first the kingdom, I'll make sure that your needs are provided for. And he goes into this whole long, exaggerated list of, of our provision being taken care of. So what happens is when we seek first the kingdom in our finances, it puts us in a worry-free zone. 
Some of you are worried about finances all the time because you don't put the kingdom first in your finances. So you're worrying about it all the time. Well, the thing is, is I see it as my job to fund the kingdom of God. It's my job. As a pastor, I don't just receive from the kingdom. I'm, 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 a, I'm a tither. I tithe. For years, we were the largest tithers at Overflow Church. <laughs> for years. Not anymore, praise the Lord. <laughs> Right? Praise the Lord for people that have, that have decided to be tithers as well. So Jesus teaches that, that number one, that our trust is in him. This is God's desire for us. Number two, that our needs are met. Did you know that God wants to meet your needs? So it says this in Philippians chapter four, verse 19, my God will meet all. How many? All your needs according to what? Your, your job? No? Your parents? How you were raised? Huh? The guy that's teaching on finances? No? No, no, no. All our needs will be met according to what? His riches and glory. So God meets your needs, not according to your job, not according to your bank account, not according to your neighbor, not according to how you were raised, not according to Dave Ramsey. God meets all your needs according to his riches and glory. So what you've got to do is you've got to figure out how to get in the zone of that. To live just like every area of your life that you would live within God's leadership, within his guardrails, if you will. Yes. And the third is this. So our trust is in him. Our needs are met. Number three, that we would live generously. So at Overflow, we have a value that's generosity, right? That is our value. We are blessed, come on, to be a blessing. And that's what this series has been all about. Don't you want to be a blessing? You know, and, and most people would say, you know what? If I, I wish I had, I wish I would win the lottery and I would solve world hunger. Listen, I, I've, I've, I've learned this. You can throw money at poverty. It doesn't help poverty. Yeah. Yeah. Education is what helps poverty, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Money doesn't help. It might help. It might help today, but it didn't usually help tomorrow. Don't you want to be blessed? Don't you want to be blessed so you can be a blessing? Well, first of all, you already are blessed. But wouldn't you like to, when the Girl Scout cookies come to your door, wouldn't you like to buy all of them? Not because they just taste good, but just because you want to be a blessing? Right? Right? I'll take all of them. They're like, you don't need all of them. Right? Wouldn't you just like to buy someone lunch every time you go out? I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like whenever someone says, hey, I'm going on a missions trip, it's going to cost $10,000, and you say, well, here's 5000 I mean, wouldn't you like to be in the position to do that? I mean, I would. And I might not be at 5000 yet, but maybe I can do fifty, Or maybe I can do 100 right now. Well, I'm blessed to be a blessing, so I have money in the bank account. It's just a resource for me to draw from and bless someone else. Or when the church does a capital campaign, whenever, whenever prophesying, Whenever in the next couple of months, I'll just prophesy that, within the next couple of months and a building becomes available and we need 400 grand to renovate, just to renovate, and you're able to write a check for 300 of that, I mean, wouldn't that be cool if you were able to do that? Well, you might not be able to do that, but maybe you could just do 300. So wouldn't you like to be that way? I would like to be that way. I'd like to just write the whole check. Wouldn't you like it to every time you go out to eat, instead of you going, man, I hope I can afford to, to, to tip, which by the way, if you can't afford to tip, then don't go out to eat, but that you never tip less than 30%. 
I mean, some of us are like never less than 20%, even if the service is bad, because we're gracious people. So I'm just going to give at least 20% every time. And usually it's going to be like 25, 30%. Why? Because I'm just generous. I just want to be, I want to be a blessing to those people. And I know that they're only making $2 an hour. All right. So this is what the scriptures teach us. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Y'all okay? All right. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Oh, (laughs) that's how it works. You give a little, you get a little. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You don't reap generously unless you're generous. You don't give a little and receive a lot. You give a little, you get a little. You give a lot, you get a lot. Right? Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. I hope that you decide to give a lot. Some people are like, well, it's just, it's just up to every person. So is it up to you to be greedy? Because what I found is most people, it's that way. Well, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully you've decided in your heart to be super generous. For God loves a cheerful giver. And any person that is generous finds it cheerfully to give. They never look at it as a burden. Or, I hope I can afford it. It should be sacrificial, but it's not burdensome. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. How does God scatter his gifts to the poor? Does God just say, okay, I'm just going to put money in their bank account? No. He wants partners that say, you know what? I'll give to their bank account. That's how God blesses people. That's how God takes care of the poor is through us. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So God's going to provide the seed and God's going to provide the bread. He's going to provide what you plant. He's going to provide what you eat. You will be made rich in every way. (laughs) Hide that one. Had that verse. It just says that you will be made rich in every way. Now that doesn't mean limos and Lamborghinis and airplanes and all, all of that. But when we talk about every way, how are we generous? Well, there's really three ways that you can be generous. Real quick, three ways. Your time, oh, that's the one that hurts. Your talent, your abilities, your skill set. I've seen people be stingy with their skills. I don't really want to, I don't really want to do that in church. I just want to come and receive. Well, how long are you going to do that? Or are you being stingy with your time or your talent? And the third way is our treasure, our money. Always, all the ways, every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. Not just in seasons, not just during Christmas, on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So how do we steward, and this is our topic today, stewarding the blessing. What does that look like? What does it look like to steward the blessing? First of all, it means this, first things first. First things first. Jesus, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom. First things first. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, Well, not just lifting up hands during worship. 
Not just showing up for church when it's time for church. Not just serving and greeting people in the parking lot or playing with the kids. No, no, no. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Well, I'm not wealthy. Do you have money in your bank account? Do you have clothes? Do you have a, do you have a closet full of nothing to wear? <laughs> right. We have houses for our cars. Right? Most people in the world don't even have a car. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Everybody say first fruit. Now, the first fruit is what we call the tithe, right? So I've heard people say this before. God is first in my finances, but I don't tithe. Well, how do you know? How do you know God's first? Well, because, because, I, I, because, because I say so. Because I gave the lady, a, I clicked 18 on the button whenever they scanned my credit card for my bill. Let me suggest this to you. That generosity doesn't start until the tithe is met. <clears throat> I don't think I will. <laughs> Listen, there, and I said it a while ago, there is not a greater revealer of our heart than our bank account. There's a bank statement. There's not a greater revealer of our heart than our bank statement. So look at your bank statement and see. Look, let it reveal your heart is God first. So before Uncle Sam ever touches my paycheck, before insurance gets a hold of my paycheck, before I write the mortgage to my house, before I pay, make my car payment, before I make my insurance payment, the first payment I make is I return what already belongs to God, the tithe. And so people have objections. These are the two main objections. The first one is this, is tithing is the old covenant law. It's the old covenant law. Did you know that tithing is in the old covenant law? But did you also know that people under the old covenant law gave about 25 to 27%? That was the requirement of the Mosaic law. But did you know also that Abraham tithed before the law was ever given? Did you know that Malachi, the book that the, 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 the scripture that we use, is not under the old covenant, even though it's in the Old Testament? Listen, if, if that is your reasoning because it was included in the law, then, then it's okay to murder people because that was also included in the law. So don't discredit don't discredit something because it's included in the law. You're not under that law, but there are good things in that law. But the, what we're talking about is Abraham predates the law, Malachi postdates the law, and then what people will say was, well, if it was so important, then why didn't Jesus talk about it? Jesus never talked about tithing. That's the second objection. False. Jesus does talk about tithing. The, did you know this? In Matthew 23, the only time that Jesus ever compliments the religious, the only time he ever compliments them, he says, you give tithes and alms as you should. As you should. He says in Luke chapter 20, verse 25, they, they pull out this coin. They says, this coin has Caesar's face on it. Should we pay our taxes? Is what they're saying. And we know how oppressed the Jews were by Caesar. 
They said, should we give to Caesar? He said, whose face is on there? They said, Caesar. He said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. In other words, pay your taxes, pay your dues. But also give to God what is God's. Well, what is God's? What already belongs to God is the tenth, the tithe. That's what the tithe means. It means the tenth, the ten percent. Did you know it already belongs to God? And I have never met a generous person, not one generous person, that would argue and say, I'm not going to tithe. Because they want to decide. This is what it boils down to. They want to decide what they do with their money. And that's exactly what it is. It's their money. It's not God's money. When he says give to God what belongs to God, that word in the Greek here is the, the word render. It renders in the Greek as render or yield. So we don't give it to God. It already belongs to him. Does this make sense? And what are you doing if you keep something that doesn't belong to you? It's stealing. It's stealing. So we used to have this guy. You know, some of y'all have heard me tell this. We used, to, we used to have this Canadian guy that used to come to our church. Hey, he's Canadian, hey? His name is Jaden. And uh, Jaden was a student at Christ for the Nations, and he had to go home for a year. So he said, hey, can I keep my golf clubs in your attic? I was like, sure. Blessed to be a blessing. I have an attic. <laughs> And so I put his golf clubs in my attic for a year. Now, if I would have taken those golf clubs, he said, you know what? They're in my house. They belong to me. If I would have taken those golf clubs and sold them on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist at the time, how many know that I would be stealing what was Jaden's? Even though it was in my possession, it did not belong to me. And some of you are treating the tithe like it belongs to you. And so you say, well, I don't give tithes. Exactly. You don't get to give a tithe. It already belongs to God. Malachi 3, 8. So we don't give the tithe. We yield it. Everybody say, I give, I give it up. <laughs> I yield it. Malachi 3. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, How? How are we robbing God? I mean, can a man really steal from God in tithes and offerings? But you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. Everybody say whole tithe. The whole tithe into the storehouse. Everyone say storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Say my house. My house. God's house is the storehouse. Come on. Test me in this. The only time that God says to test him is right here. Test me in this. Test me, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Other words, if you will be faithful with the tithe, not only will you not be stealing from me, that I will open up heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you can't even contain it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And vines of your fields do not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord. Then the all, nation, all nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So, first things first, if we want to be a blessing, we've got to learn to be a tither. See, in the church, you kind of have, you kind of have three kinds of people. You have tithers. Then you have tippers. Just throw a five in there. 
tithes. Today's sermon was a little bit better. Here's $8. (laughs) Worship was powerful today. Here's 10. So you have tithers, then you have tippers, based upon the service that I got, because it's your money. And the third is we have takers. And that's just people that come and just sit and listen. If that's you and that's where you're at, we love you. We're glad you're here. But you are, you are limiting what you receive from this house. You are limiting yourself. The tithe goes to the Lord. The tithe goes to God's house. And so, whoa, we're the, we're the house of God. We're the house of God. You've got to understand something. There is, there is the house of God, which are his people. And I think we've gotten into this thing and say, oh, the church isn't God's house. Listen, we have these places where we gather together that are set apart for God. They're devoted for the Lord. This house is devoted to the Lord. That's why when you come and you show up, it's clean and it's sharp. Why? Because this is God's house. Yes, you were God's house, but also this is God's house. This is God's storehouse. So we bring the tithe into the storehouse. Are y'all okay? We got bills to pay. And some of you just takers, you think, oh, because the Lord just provides. Absolutely. And he wants to use you to provide. So don't be a taker. Don't be a tipper. Be a tither. So first things first. Y'all okay? This is the thing. Let me say one more thing. We receive best where we're invested most. And I've noticed, what I've noticed from being a pastor, because I did youth ministry for a long time, I've noticed that the people that receive the most from their church are those that give of their time, those that give of their talent and those that give of their treasure. I've just, I've noticed it. And some people, what happens is, and we've also noticed this, is before people leave the church, their money's always the first to go, or it was never here because it's their money. It wasn't devoted to the Lord. So don't withhold the tithe. Don't withhold the tithe. You okay? So when we keep what's not ours, we're called robbers. Okay. First things first. Number two, manage well. Right, take a big breath. It's okay. And listen, wherever you're at, it's the first fruit, right? This is what I don't believe. Let me say this. I, I, I want to help you. There are people out there that will tell you that you need to go back. If you haven't been a tither for 10 years, and they'll say you need, you need to go back and you need a tither. Oh, you didn't tithe for 10 We're not going to say that. We're not going to teach that. We're going to say God has a system. Jump in the system. He, ha- he has a model. Jump in the model. Nobody's going to fuss at you. Nobody, and what we do here at Overflow Church is just to help people out because, man, people are like, I've never been a tither before. It's really difficult. So we do this thing called the tithe challenge where we say, you know what? Do this. Commit to tithing for 90 days. If you've never tithed before, you, you give for 90 days. Faithful tithing. The whole tithe into the storehouse. And at the end of 90 days, if God hasn't taken care of you, we'll give you your money back. We'll just give it back. We'll, we keep good financial records. I don't keep them, but somebody else does. I try not to look at that stuff. And all that you've given over the last three months will be given back to you, all of it, if God doesn't take care of you. You say, man, how, how can we do that? Because we know, we know, we know that if you test the Lord, if you test the Lord, he'll take care of you. If you test the Lord, he'll take care of you. This is the only thing that you have permission to test him in. But it's not just a test of him, it's a test of you. It's not just a test of him, it's a test of you. Can we go back to number one on that real quick? I know that we're talking a lot about tithing, I don't want to. What was number one? 
because I got deleted from my notes. It's already God's. Number two is this. It's a test. We can test God in it as he is testing us with it. And the third is this. It's for the storehouse. It's for his house. This is where it's to be brought. He's decided that. You don't get to decide where it goes. Come on. All right. Number two is this, manage well. So first things first, number two, manage well. If you want to be blessed, you got to get first things first. Number two, manage well. So back to 2 Corinthians 9. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. How many of you know we don't sow bread? When you have bread, you don't plant it in the ground. God has given you the portion of your income. He's provided a way for you to earn that income. Whenever you get that income, you don't take all that income and plant it. In other words, you say, man, I'm going to be generous. I'm so excited for today's message. I'm going to be generous. I just wrapped out check for all of it. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't plant bread. <laughs> that preacher just wants all my money. I don't want all your money. I don't want any of your money. I'm not trying to get anything from you today. We're not taking another offering. <sighs> not till next week. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food. So we don't sow bread. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Check this out. If you are faithful with little things, you will be faithful with large one. We're talking about stewardship, right? Management. But if you're dishonest with little things, you won't be honest with great responsibilities. Faithful in little, ruler over much. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, this is important. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Isn't it interesting that our worldly wealth, how we manage it, will dictate what we receive in true riches in heaven? How you treat your financials, how you treat the things that you have, will reveal what you get in heaven. That's crazy. And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Or you cannot serve God and mammon, which is the God of money. So how do we manage well? Well, first of all, you take care of what you have. Are you taking care of what you have? Right? Well, my car is not that nice. It's an old beater. My parents gave it to me. Are you taking care of what you have? Are you maintaining it? Are you taking good care of your clothes? Or you just throw them on the floor? What about your house? Is your house always a mess? Why would God give you a better house if you can't take care of the house you have now? Well, when I get a nice house, I'll take care of it. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. You, you take care of what you have and God sees you as being a good steward of that. Then he'll bless you with more. Are you selfish with the things that you have? When, when you have a vehicle, do you get it maintained? Oh, it's just an old beater. We're running off the same oil for six years, right? <laughs> I said it right. And this is what people say. I've heard people say this. Well-meaning people, it's just stuff. It's not just stuff. It's a test. It's just stuff is a lie. If you have stuff, get this. Most people in the world don't have stuff. Go, go, go take a look at our, our, our staff in Haiti. 
Go, come, to, come to Haiti with me when it opens back up and you'll see how much stuff they have. Watch how they take care of what's given to them. It's not just stuff. You have material blessings. So treat them like they're a blessing. Some of you treat your vehicle like it's a curse. I love how Paul talks about his vehicle because it's a blessing. Myrtle. Right? It's awesome. This is a girl. <laughs> Ain't that right? Yeah. So first comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. So some of y'all want God to bless you with something nicer, but you ain't treating what you have like it's nice. Sharpen up. So take care of what you have. A second is set a budget. I'm trying to be real practical today. You okay? So take an inv- how do you set a budget? Some of y'all have never been taught this. Maybe you came from poverty and you think, uh, just paycheck to paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. You shouldn't live paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> you should live from glory to glory. <laughs> That'll work. So take an inventory. How much do I have? Pull out your bank statement or your bank app or whatever. You say checkbook. People don't even know what that is anymore. Pull out your checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> checkbook? It's a book. Checks. I don't have a check. What is a check? I have a check emoji. No, it's different. It's a paper thing, paper money. All right. So take an inventory. How much do you have? And then plan out what you're going to do with what you have. So the first thing you do is you just say, bah, knock off 20% off the top. You say 10% of that belongs to the Lord. I would rather live with 90% blessed than 100% cursed. So 10% belongs to the Lord. And then I'm going to put another 10% in savings. You say, well, I can't afford to do that. Well, start with five. But take something off because something's going to come up this month and you're going to need to have a reserve to draw from. What, what are, so priority, this is how you do it. You prioritize necessities. Let me help you. This is going to help you. Some of you think I'm good with money. I'm like, okay, how much money do you have in the bank? I'm not going to ask you that, but I'm asking you hypothetically, ask yourself that question. How much money do you have in the bank? Number one, you prioritize necessities, your food, your clothes, your house, your haircuts, your oil changes, your medical expenses, all those things. Those are necessities. Prioritize those things. This is what's got to be paid every month. Got to pay for my car. Got to pay for gas in that car. Got to pay for my house. Got to pay for electricity in that house. These are, before that was, you know, it already belonged to the Lord, the tithe. Number two, consider luxuries. Mm. The problem is, is we think that luxuries are necessities. (laughs) Your Netflix account, your Hulu account. Oh, cut the cable. I'm going to save tons of money. Then you look at your bank statement. You've got like $600 worth of subscriptions every month. You're laughing, but I would challenge you to go look and see how many things that you've subscribed to over the last five years since everything changed. Your gaming automatic withdrawal. Oh, some of y'all hurting now. I can't afford to be generous. I spent $20 on Xbox every month. You spend more than that. I know. All those things, luxuries, eating out. This is the hard one, right? Because if you look, I, I, I bet most of the people in this room pay more for eating out than they do on their mortgage every month. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying that that is a lot of waste of money because you know what ends up happening when you eat out? You poop the next day and it's all gone. And you have... It's, it's the same day if you go to Taco Bell. And it's all wasted. You have nothing to show for it. That's the problem. It's like flushing money down the toilet. 
Listen, no problems with eating out. But, but we're not just eating out now. Now we're paying for someone to deliver our food. I mean, some of y'all are just paying way too much money per meal. Listen, you need to hang around with the Browns. We can show you how to do it. We can show you how to be frugal. We can show you how to feed a family of six on like 40 bucks. We can do it. But we've really limited eating out. There's a few, few meals of the week that we do it, and then we don't do it any other time. It takes discipline. It takes going to the grocery store, not calling whatever the thing is, Uber Eats or whoever it is that delivers groceries. Instacart, yeah, or whatever, you know, whoever delivers the groceries. I mean, all these things are luxuries. They're all luxuries. Okay? I want to remind you of that. That does not have to fit into the budget. But look over your bank account and see. I would encourage you this week to do that. Go look at how much that you spent on, on luxuries. And I bet it's more than necessities. And you can't afford to tithe. All right, number three, set boundaries. I'm going to stop that. Why you keep, because you know, you know why. All right, number three is set boundaries. Set boundaries. If you want to have all these luxuries, then set a budget for the luxuries. I'm not going to spend more than $500 on things being convenient, like someone else cooking my food or someone else delivering my food. Set boundaries, live according, listen, and live within your means. So the problem with people, we talked about people that come from poverty. The problem that people that come from money is, is what happens is they expect to have all the stuff their parents had after being married for 20 years. And so they want a big old, oh, I need a house with 2,000 square foot. How many kids do you have? None. We plan on having some in about six years. I need a four bedroom apartment so I can put all my stuff in. Listen, set some boundaries. So what, again, what happens, we come from money. We think, I, I just got to have everything that they had. Listen, it's good for you to struggle a little bit. <laughs> and it's hard as parents because we don't want our kids to struggle. It's so hard. And I don't think the Lord wants us to struggle either, but struggling is necessary. <clears throat> I don't think you should always struggle, but I think struggling is, is good for you every once in a while. So live within your means. What is your means? Not, not according to how you were raised, where are you at? Because you probably can't afford to get food delivered when you're 22. Plus, you have a lot of energy at 22. You should be able to go walk to the store. <laughs> Lazy. All right. And be frugal. Be frugal. Okay? That doesn't mean that you buy cheap. There's a difference. Because what happens, we buy 15 cheap things, and then we could afford to buy the good thing. And don't buy it just because the name's good. But be frugal. Be smart with your money. Frugal doesn't mean cheap, and that's different. All right. Shop clearance racks. Being in fashion is a luxury, by the way. I know. I know. So how, And the other thing is this. Just deal with your debt if you have debt. Luke 16, verse 13. I'm going to hurry. I'm trying to be real practical today. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. This is what he said. Proverbs 22, seven says the borrower is servant to the lender. So if God called you right now, if he came to you and he said, I want you to sell everything you have and move to, move to Haiti. And you're like, I can't, I have too much debt. I mean, I could sell my house, I could sell my car, but I have $10,000 in credit card debt. 
which is not a small, which is not a large amount for credit card debt. You couldn't be, obey what the Lord told you to do because you have debt. Why? Because you're enslaved to it. And I'm not fussing at you. I'm just saying the scripture has wisdom that tells us that. So this is, this is, this is my advice to you. It's something that I've learned because there was a point in my 20s where I had like $18,000 in credit card debt. And this was 20 years ago. Stop it. So never use credit card for things that won't be here tomorrow. You might have to use a credit card for something, but don't use it for Grubhub or Taco Bell. I know you never go to Taco Bell either way. Why am I talking about Taco Bell so much? Waterburger. I know Waterburger is barely, it is for sure a luxury. Grub. So Grub, gas, and gifts. Don't buy credit cards with those things. Don't buy those things with credit cards. The devil has three names, right? Visa, MasterCard, American Express. Four names, Discovery, whatever. Those are demonic. Just, if you need one for an emergency, yes, use it for an emergency. But you eating from Grubhub is not an emergency or whatever the, your Netflix is not an emergency. I know you need to see that last episode or that, that Stranger Things season coming out. I know you need to watch it, but you might not be able to afford that $12 because you bless someone. If you do have a credit card and you got hot debt on there, call them and ask them to forgive some of the debt. You'll be surprised how many of them will do that. Ask for lower interest rates. Get aggressive with paying it off. Get out of debt because it's keeping you from, it could keep you from being obedient to God. And it's definitely keeping you from being generous because you've got $600 a month that you're paying to credit cards and you have nothing to show for them because you ate it and then now it's in a sewage system somewhere. I'm dead serious. Don't, don't waste money on that stuff with credit cards. It's so, so foolish. So first things first, manage well. Number three is work smart and hard. Listen, you are priests and kings. You're called to take dominion, to bring in resources. God's empowered. We talked a lot about spending, but listen, we are good earners in the kingdom of God. We're hard workers. We work really well. We have good skill sets. And when God places you in a place, you're gonna get promotions. You're gonna get raises. Why? Because you have an ethic in you that says, I'm the child of God. I am a king. And I'm here to, to get some soldiers in my army. So I'm going to climb the corporate ladder and I'm going to get those soldiers and they're going to be a blessing to people. That, those dollars are soldiers. Don't work for money. Let money work for you. Deuteronomy 8, 18. Remember the Lord your God for he is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And let me encourage you in this. Find multiple streams of income. Have your job and then find something that if, if it's a job and you're not good at it or it's not your passion, then find something on the side that you're good at. And, and, and eliminate the idea of dream jobs. Oh, if I just had this job, I'd be so content. For a little while, you would. You would love your job for a little bit, but eventually they pay you for a reason. You still got to show up. Maybe in your PJs on the computer, but you still got to show up. It's still a job. Somebody's paying you because... There are things about it that's not delightful. There's no such thing as, there's no such thing in your, in, in the world of what you imagine as a dream job. If I could do this, I would just be so content. I'd be so happy. Listen, you find contentment right now because you get the job that you've always wanted. You get into it and you realize, oh, there's weeds in this field. Yeah. The, the thing now is everybody wants to quit their job and be a business owner. Let me speak to that a minute. 
I've been a business owner for a long time. Working on 20 years of owning a business, a side hustle. And when you don't think that there's no stress to attach to that, because when you own your own business, everybody else is your boss. I don't want somebody else telling me what to do. Well, every client is your boss when you own your own business. And sometimes it's easier, depending on the season of life that you're in, sometimes it's easier to answer to one man than to answer to 50. So, so owning your own business is not so sexy. Sorry, babe. I know Leslie's watching today. She doesn't like when I use that word. Sorry. Sorry. It's, it's, it's not so glamorous. All right. So work hard and work smart. All right. Number four, we're done. Just about. Establish a lifestyle of generosity. So we don't eat seed and we don't plant bread. With seed, we plant it. So generosity is your seed. Your tithe isn't seed. It already belongs to the Lord. But seed is above the tithe. So don't think you're being generous because you tithe. You're just being obedient. If you tithe, you're just being obedient. You're not being generous. So this is the deal. The goal of believers is not to accumulate wealth, but to delegate blessing. That's the goal. Delegating blessing requires an accumulation of wealth. Does it not? Yes, but that is not the goal. The goal is not to have fat pockets and fat bank accounts. The goal is to be able to delegate God's blessing in my life. Greed is more costly than generosity. Greed is far more costly than generosity. Generosity is sacrificial. Greed is still, generosity is still costly. Not as costly as greed, but it is still costly. It should hurt a little bit. Generosity is sacrificial. And if it costs you nothing, how valuable would it be? So it's hard. It's hard to be generous. It's, you've got to consider that cost. This is why he says that we should decide in our heart what to do. And hopefully it hurts a little bit when you make that decision. Did you know that sacrificial giving is the greatest expression of love when it hurts? God so loved the world that he gave. Sacrificial. Sacrificial. The greatest demonstration of love is sacrificial giving. And it's the same for us, whether it be financial, whether it be our time, whether it be our talents. I just want to be able to do it for myself and just enjoy it. And that's greed talking. God didn't, God didn't give you gifts and ability and time and all that stuff for you to hoard it. And get this, the significance of generosity is measured by sacrifice, not size. It's measured by sacrifice, not size. That's why the widow that gave two mites, Jesus said he, she gave more than anybody else in the room. Why? Because her generosity was measured by his, her sacrifice, not her size. Because our little becomes a lot when we put it in the hands of God. Our little becomes a lot when we put it in God's hands. 